You are listening to Pastor Dennis Helton of Grace Community Church in Jefferson City, Missouri. Please join us as we study the scriptures one verse at a time, finding therein the power of God and the wisdom which leads to salvation. And without further ado, here's Pastor Dennis Helton. We come to uh, the last part of Philemon. This is the ending part. We've already had occasion to uh, kind of meet who Philemon is as we've... Um, looked at his characteristics and as Paul has been pleading with him and we've seen Philemon's motives um, I think we see great principles here of uh, Christian ethics the way it's supposed to be and forgiveness is really the I think the best way that people can put on display the person of Christ in their lives uh, many ways but of course we think of forgiveness of our own sins and that's your uh, plays a part with that in a huge way. So it's evident from this letter that uh, this Philemon, a uh, man of really good Christian character and conviction, um, it's like we know these particular saints, the characteristics of uh, some of them as we go through the New Testament. And just in a few weeks, it seems like we've, we've known this guy uh, a little bit more. But... Um, it's good to know what he did. Of course, he had the, the church meet at his, at his house, and he was definitely well acquainted with a lot of the spiritual leaders, of course, one of them being Paul and some of the ones that have been around Paul. And so we'll get reacquainted with some of the other ones right at the end here tonight and around verse 22. And those are the people that we, too, will get to spend an eternity with. We get just a little bit of an introduction to them, just a little bit, in certain verses of the New Testament, not very much. But, uh, you know, it's when you, when you think about it, these are people, real people, and people who are Christians and people who are brothers and sisters. And isn't that great to know that we will get to uh, know them in eternity in, uh, in a great way. So while this, uh, this letter is definitely Christ-centered, you have to think of every epistle in the New Testament is Christ-centered. The Gospels are Christ-centered. The whole Old Testament is Christ-centered. It's all about the Messiah, isn't it? And you think of this book here, and you think of forgiveness, you can't help but think of what's the theme? Forgiveness. But it's, it's a virtue of Christ himself. And as we've said all along, a person is most Christ-like whenever he does an act of forgiveness. Uh, it's a magnificent virtue. And there was a guy by the name of Sir Thomas More, uh, Lord Chancellor of England. He was tried at Westminster and condemned to death without any just cause, just like many Christians have down through the years. Uh, he spoke to his judges, and he had these famous words. He says, As St. Paul held the clothes of those who stoned Stephen to death, and as they are both now saints in heaven, and shall continue their friends forever, so I verily shall trust that therefore most heartily pray that through your lordships have now here on earth been judges to my condemnation, we may nevertheless hereafter cheerfully meet in heaven in everlasting salvation. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? As he has been judged 
by these judges to condemn him to death. He's praying for them that he will meet them in heaven and uh, be the great eternal friends that they would be. Ah, oh, the beauty of forgiveness, huh? And uh, you have to think of uh, Stephen, of uh, which Thomas More spoke about. He said, Lord, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge, as he said. And, of course, he was being crushed with the stones as um, he was saying just the same thing that uh, Jesus had, had said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. That is an extreme of forgiveness. That's the heart of it, isn't it? So this little letter, wonderful little letter, there is something here that's dealing with this forgiveness and it's it's a teaching lesson, but it's really it, it's a living lesson on forgiveness. You don't really get so much on the doctrine here as we do really living it. Of course, this, you, you live off of first what the doctrine is. It's a little bit different book in that way, but the essential elements of forgiveness are found here. Even You don't see the word, do you? It's not really there, but it, it in principle it is all over the place. Smacks you right in the face. But it's so gentle. It's so practical and very subtle in the way that uh, Paul brings it out. And so Paul is going to drive this thing to a close, and that's where we're at tonight as we're driven to the closing part. Let's pray. Father, as we focus upon Christ, we look at this living lesson that has been given as Paul urges on Philemon. We're being urged on, too, to even further our forgiveness. And Of course, all of the aspects of who Christ is, whether it be the love, the joy, the peace, the patience, kindness, and so on and so forth. Lord, we want to emulate him. We want to imitate Christ, as Paul said, to follow him, to imitate him. And so help us understand further the person of Christ and how his actions weigh in on who we are and what our actions are to be too. Thank you for this little letter that you've given. May it bless us indeed. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Well, we pick it up at uh, verse 19. It's kind of where we left off last week. Um, we'll start there. Uh, I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand. I will repay it, not to mention to you that you owe to me even your own self as well. Yes, brother, let me benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Having confidence in your obedience, I write to you, since I know that you will do even more than what I say. At the same time, also prepare me a lodging, for I hope that through your prayers I will be given to you. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, greets you, as do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, Luke, my fellow workers. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. That's the letter. And uh, so I think um, we get in here and get a little bit more of one little kind of shot at a time that Paul gives to Epaphras. And th these are little encouragements. And he gives one more final encouragement through um, several different uh, avenues. Reminder of a greater debt, and 
it's benefits to the saints, forgiveness is. It's obedience to the Lord. It's, uh, it deals with prayer and, and God's purpose and how it builds up fellowship in uh, the body of Christ. And, of course, it closes with grace. So all of those points, uh, we're using like six of them, how we divide it up here tonight. That's about how many verses there are, isn't it? It's almost one for each verse, I guess. Uh, 19, I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand. Well, great, Paul, you're writing with your own hand. I don't know if how his hands really were physically. It didn't seem like he wrote a lot of his letters. He would sign them at the end, but he would have somebody that he would dictate to, a secretary. I have to wonder if maybe he had that all-famous kind of thing that people... Arthritis. Arthritis. Like... I don't know how many other ones do. We know about Carolyn. How about you, Frida? Oh yeah. oh, yeah. Hands just hurt. I don't know about Paul. It's never said in there that, that I know of about his hands, but it could be that way. But uh, And they said, I think he did write with big letters. It's mentioned one time, a great big block letters. But this is signing the IOU here. Because if you back up in verse 18, we'll see what he's saying here. But if he has wronged you in any way or owes you anything, charge that to my account. And it's like, hey, I'm writing this here myself now from here on. And he puts this, and it's like he's signing his name to whatever is owed, he is going to pay it. And so when you have an IOU, you have to sign it, right? A little thought there. You know, it could be. He says, put it on my account. We know he's saying that. And so Paul has this custom uh, so many times at the end of letters to do that, to kind of take up the quill, if you may, and put a little bit of his own personality uh, there in, in writing it. Go to Galatians chapter 6, verse 11. We'll look at a few occasions where he does this. Galatians, where he just writes a... A ripping rebuke to the Galatians on their legalism that they had and, and still yet he closes it out with uh, his own signing of it. I think in verse 11, see with what large letters, there we go, I am writing to you with my own hand. <laughs> I'm writing this part myself. Um, another one is in Colossians 4.18 right at the end of that letter. Of course Colossians Philemon were written at the same time and carried to the, the same place by the same people. For, uh, 418, I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. Remember my imprisonment. Grace be with you. Again, 2 Thessalonians 317. Another small letter. He's writing at the end of it. 17. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. And this is a distinguishing mark in every letter. This is the way I write. <laughs> it, it, it's like... He clears it out. What's that? He clears it out. Yeah. That's right. So, there is the aspect of him signing this letter and putting a little last little note to it um, we see that he says in 19 I will repay it 
not to mention you that you owe to me even your own self as well. He has a gr the greater debt. Philemon has the greater debt. It was actually impossible for Onesimus to pay this debt back to uh, Philemon. And so Paul is saying, whatever he owes, if that be the case, I'll, I will pay it. Whenever I get there, I'll, I, will, I will pay that. And, you know, he really owned nothing. He had nothing that he could give to him. He, you know, and during the time that he was in Rome, he was serving Paul, wasn't he? So it's like he, he couldn't pay him back. He needed a substitute to pay the debt. You like the picture of that? The picture of Christ, right? Because we couldn't pay back. There's nothing that we could offer God. And it took a substitute to pay the debt. The debt was impossible. So he says, um, okay, Onesimus owes you a debt. We won't argue over that. But I do want to remind you, you owe me a greater debt than he owes you. How's he ever going to pay that back? I mean, how is that? Well, why is he saying that? Well, because Paul is uh, kind of like the spiritual father of Philemon. Philemon is one who um, got the truth of the gospel from him. And so there's a spiritual debt here. And Paul is the one who has been so valuable to him in delivering the, the, this eternal value versus the, what, the material value. And that's why it would be a greater debt, wouldn't it? Because this goes into eternity. So there's debts that cannot ever be paid. We could never pay our debt before. We, we were debtors to him, weren't we? Uh, and, and I think this example here should remind us it, it was only possible to be paid for by the work and the person of Jesus Christ. The Son of God paid our debt on the cross with his blood. Simple gospel. It's very profound, isn't it? I'm in debt to many people. Now, I don't owe for my cars, obviously. <laughs> don't really owe for the house. I, and I say that not bragging. I'm thankful to the Lord that have those things taken care of and uh, really all, all we owe are the bills that we have. That's not to say that things could come up but I'm not even talking about that. I'm in deep debt with my parents who have gone on to be with the Lord because they were the ones who raised me, taught me biblical principles, um, took me to church, taught me values. I still uh, think of my dad quite often and all the things that I learned from but I didn't think about it at the time. You know, that's just the way things are. But as as you tend to think about what uh, was done in your lifetime by, by your parents, you, you really are grateful. And they supported me and they supplied me that everything that I need. Um, I'm in debt to Carolyn, I'm in debt to her because of the, not only the, our marriage that we have, but the friendship that we have and all the support and the love that uh, she's give me and the, the wisdom and uh, the input and uh, her correction. 
<laughs> we can go on and on and on. I've probably told more here live and in person <laughs> than I you know, have, have her maybe, and I, I get to thinking about it. Then I have to think about the people who administered to me, people who um, helped me grow up in the Lord, really started getting a really high value of the Word of God. God brought along people at the right time whenever I was really hungry, and I'll never forget those guys because I, I had never seen the Bible taught the way that uh, they taught it. So I think about that, and I'm very gracious of that. Uh, I mean, they were gracious in extending the time and just being ones who gave uh, wisdom from the scripture. So I, I really benefited out of that. So I'm in debt to uh, my teachers there. I'm in debt to all the people who have written books that I have learned from, all the writers. Um, even Barnes & Noble now is going out of business, possibly, that we're hearing, as Janice says. Janice and Eld and all their books, their library that they have. And course they have so many it's like uh, they can pick one up and act like it's not been read before <laughs> she was sharing that tonight <laughs> I, I was laughing but think about that and all the, the 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 tapes and the cds and radio shows where we have learned uh from people down through the years i'm in debt i mean huge debt um i'm in debt to this congregation where been so consistently supported all the prayers and the wisdom and the fellowship that I have there's no way that I could ever repay that back <laughs> works all the way around for the body of Christ doesn't it right. and I, you know you really get to thinking about that man oh you guys so much I can't, I can't pay you back I can't even begin to to do that I'm in debt to so many people I get to thinking about it and you know it just goes on and on and you know God's going to have to repay them for for all that they have have done for me, and you, you guys can probably say yourselves, right? Uh, there's an eternal reward, and uh, that will make up for everything. <laughs> but it's like actually when you give of yourself, you don't expect, expect anything. Can you imagine ministering to somebody and say, "Oh, hey man, uh, how much is that? Is that is that like about a hundred dollars?" Oh. Come on, please, <laughs> stop. But, you know, it just, I owe so much to all these people that God has given. And so not to forgive someone who owes a simple earthly debt is horrendous, isn't it? And that's Paul's point. And I don't think he really has to really hit it hard here with Philemon but just in case you know Philemon is taking this really hard about this he says um, you know remember uh, that you owe to me even your own self as well <laughs> your uh, your salvation in the sense that he brought the news to him and faithfully taught him although it's all of God anyway isn't it yeah, that reminds me any picture of like what God would tell you if you wouldn't like want to forgive someone mm. you know like like you know like I've forgiven you so much like, you <laughs> owe me this like you think you can you know it should be your duty to repay that debt 
Good point, Nondor, because I, wouldn't that be convicting? Yeah. And he did it. He just did what, <laughs> even though it's written by Paul, this is God telling us that very same thing, right. isn't it? How can we not? We don't have an option. We we have to, don't we? He's not really giving him an option. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. By the time he gets to the... It's from one point after another. <laughs> really? Really? And yeah, and you're hitting right at the heart of what's happening here. Of course, Paul is doing it in such a, a soft-gloved way, but there, there's like a, an iron fist in yeah. there, though, too. And he's doing it out of just complete love, very gentle. Although this this man is is probably not going to have any trouble with it after it's all said and done. But sometimes, yeah, I think when when some people are Let's say if somebody is, let's just, well, the matter of forgiveness, they're not going to forgive somebody. And I think we have to say, but how can you be that way whenever you see Christ, what he did for you, or mind of all the, the sins, or, you know, of course, there are other things. That, sometimes we have to hold our brothers and sisters to, to an account, still yet doing it in love, Ephesians 4, truthing in love. And to do those both, that's the real trick. And I think we have a perfect example of what Paul did here. He truthed in, in such a, uh, an awesome way of, sh of showing love to him in a, in a gentle way, but it was very firm and truthful, isn't it? Right. And to arrive at that is pretty difficult. And he wasn't too subtle. <laughs> <laughs> when you look at all the points that he's making, I don't... He was covering all his bases just in case, just in case. But, yeah, exactly. So just to help yeah. with the doubt in case he was having a little problem with yes. accepting it, maybe he needed a different point of view, have a look at it. Yes. Yeah. I think that's like something like to make something, yeah. <clears throat> uh, that sometimes you need somebody else to come around. Just kind of change the picture around a little bit for you to have a better understanding of maybe really where you're holding on to that grudge. Well, see, may maybe it's just me, but I hate that. Like, I, I would hate, <laughs> hate being told that at least now in my life because it's just nobody likes that and, uh, to be told anything like that uh, I can think of uh, how some people in a relationship for instance somewhere along the line one of, one of them doesn't want to do it anymore with the other person this per that person might say now wait a minute we have all this and, and they're like Of course. <laughs> yeah, but 
be in this yeah, thing. Uh -huh. so he's he not, wasn't the one that yeah. was anything was done against him. Right. But it sounds like he's bringing up uh, their him, him and Onesimus's uh, relationship, or yeah, Philemon's relationship. Like he was putting that in the mix as a incentive. Political. Yeah. <laughs> no politics here, Ming. No. Yeah, would it be fair to say that this is one of those instances in the scriptures where you have two realities that seem to contradict each other, but that they're not really contradicting one another? You know, you can say that Jesus Christ was fully God, fully man. You can say that we are responsible to repent of our sins, yet it is God who brings about our repentance. And I think here, uh, it's also one of those situations where, hey, forgive him, but you have to forgive him. Because he, ch he changes the tone even in the next verse, because he says, confident of your obedience. I see, at least that's how my, my translation reads. But it's, but it's, it's already turned into a commandment. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He stepped in softly, but once he turned the tithe, it was, uh, it's already, well, yeah, obey. Right. But it's a sympathetic approach. Right. It seems to me, and then it's finally it's like, okay, now I've dealt with your feelings, let's do the truth. And the truth is you forgive. Yeah, it's, um, I know, and there have been times like Mick, what, what you're talking about there is like, um, let's take a marriage, for instance. And I don't know how many people here probably all of you have been probably involved in some way or another where two people weren't getting along and they, they both confessed to be Christians. You know, and you, you take them to passages, and of course you think of Ephesians 5 and other places. Obviously, uh, you bring forth Scripture. They already know those. But you have to say, here's what God says about this. And, and it's to, to all of us. And a lot of times people don't want to hear that at the time, but that's all we have to give them. All we have is the truth. How it's delivered is really important, realizing, okay, maybe one person was really abused, you know, in that sense, and there has to be wisdom done in that. But at the same time, we, we want to get the word in between there, and, and maybe it'll take root. I've seen where people have accepted it, and they go, Oh, that's right. You know, and and they were broken right there, and and uh, they're they're really sorry, and they go that yeah, I, I thank you. Or it's later on. Thank you for reminding me about that. They weren't at the time. They were really mad. Um, you know, all of us have probably dealt with that issue or uh, prayed it about for others. But when you when you're in the middle of it, sometimes yeah, it's you you know you just pinpointed and you're just letting God's word speak and how they answer to it is going to be between them and the Lord but here they have if they're Christians they have to be seeing the word of God as the authority even though and they know it that I know what you're saying I know what you're saying but this is the way it is this but it doesn't matter what the way it, here's what God says you don't have an option and, of course, I've said it in that kind of tone before, too, whenever they get a little more challenging. And it's like they say, I don't care what God says, finally. 
like the guy in jars of clay. He said, I don't, you know, even when the scripture was there, I don't care what he says. And we got a problem whenever Christians say that now. And sometimes, in all fairness, sometimes they'll come back the next day and say, hey, I didn't really mean what I said, but I, you know, you got to understand I was, I got a little emotional. Yeah. And, going to hurt hurt the individual no, isn't it? It yeah and, and god forgave us so how can we not forgive everybody else exactly what he's saying there isn't it it, it has struck me throughout this book how difficult this must be for philema it is think of the time there the societal norm he he was he had lost his Slaves were nobodies. He could have him killed, and nobody would bat an eye. Except maybe Paul and others like him. But it seems to me like this is a very difficult test, probably, for Philemon. Even if he was a, a devout Christian, this, this would be a prime example of a difficult test for him, I would think. Absolutely, I, and and I'm glad you bring that out because the, this is not just hey I'm tossing it out here before you Philemon Philemon it's not a big deal because it is it's huge and I just I was just thinking as you were saying that well, Paul is writing this and of course he knows human nature and such even with Christians and he knows he knows the time period of what that was this guy's worth a lot of money slaves were like what did I say last last week it was like a, a year's wages. Um, to some people that might make 20,000 a year, some might make 30, some may make 40, whatever it is. Can you imagine that many thousands of dollars? And this is what's being asked of. And he's not saying that you're going to, he's not even talking about not being a slave anymore. But this whole forgiveness of thing about what he did to him. Yeah, it, it hurt him. And, and, and well, even more than. He was robbed by his reaction of what he did, like you said, for his sake. He counted on him as a slave to do whatever job 
sitting around doing nothing. In other words, it was, it was his livelihood. Yeah, to help him either with whatever his fine. I mean, there was a particular position that he needed to be taken care of, and when he ran away, that put him in probably dire needs to whatever that was. And, and, and I thought too. You have the Holy Spirit who's really writing this, right? God knows the heart of Philemon. Now, Paul doesn't, and he's not even there with him, so he can't read off of, you know, what's happening uh, with his body language. But he knows human nature. But the Holy Spirit, as he works in Paul, as he's inspired, God knows exactly where Philemon's at. I got a feeling that's why there was so much written here, even though Philemon is a good, godly man. And I think that shows us, you know, we all can get hurt pretty hard when something heavy enough is. But at the same time, I think we learn here that we can't hold a grudge no matter what. So Paul, um, with what he knows, and especially what, who, what God knows, one point after another, and it's pretty firm in some cases. Let's look in verse 20. Yes, brother, calling brother, let me benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Okay, I want to benefit from you. Just like you've been a blessing to the rest of the body of Christ there in... Um, his, his hometown and his church there. He's been quite the, uh, the comfort, the joy. We, we've seen that um, in verse 4. I hear of your love, verse 5, I hear of your love and your faith. Um, I have come to much uh, joy and comfort in your love because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you, brother. Look, look at what an encouragement he was to all the people in, in the body of Christ there, the saints. And Paul is saying, now it's my turn. It's my turn, brother, that you, you refresh me. Let me profit from you. How I'm going to profit as I hear about this forgiveness that happens. Let me benefit from this. Let me get some spiritual usefulness out of this. Paul is wanting that. So another point is laid out one after another. I mean, he is making a case, isn't he, Audrey? I think that Philemon needed every one of these points to come around to true forgiveness because it's real. Well, I think Paul's final one is he says, by the way, I'm coming to visit you. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right at the very ending there. I'm coming. That's right. That's, that's where it's heading. Let me profit from you here. In Philippians 2.2, 2, uh, Philippians is, is called a book of joy, isn't it? But um, he instructs them on unity and humility. And then he uses the great epitome, Christ himself. But in the, uh, uh, the first three verses... Therefore, if there's any encouragement in Christ, if there's any consolation, comfort of, of love, if there's any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and compassion, make my joy complete. Paul gets joy whenever things happen the way that God wants them to happen. And he says, make my joy complete. 
bring it to fruition by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love. By the way, maintaining. We don't make unity. God is the one who brings it. Jesus Christ prayed it to be unity. But here's what we do. We maintain it. You know, in our actions, and our thoughts. Maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. And he says, do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Man, that is some kind of different kind of news than what you hear in today's thought. You know, make someone even more important than you are. That's how you receive them. Boy, that's incredible. Paul, are you kidding me? But make my joy complete. Be of the same mind, same love, united in one spirit. Then it's just like he's doing, he's doing the same thing here in Philippians as he's doing with Philemon, I think, because he says in verse 5, have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus. And then when we get that great passage. I think you have this in one of your songs, don't you? In Philippians 2. Oh, the, uh, the, the Carmen Christi, the hymn of Christ. Yeah. And, it, you know, it's being found, uh, of course, he humbled himself. Yeah, and people, people believe that this is actually a hymn that they would sing. Right, they, the they probably knew this real well, didn't they? Mm -hmm. So, and, and he starts off with, here's what, you, and you're talking about... Um, the, the kind of compassion, the unity they were have, and humility is what it was all based on there. And of course, he gives the epitome of humility. And who is it? It's Christ. <laughs> In a perfect way. But he will be exalted. And uh, of course, he's exalted as Lord. And they people will confess him as Lord, as Lord God the Father. So, Philemon, if you humble yourself, and consider Onesimus more important than yourself. <laughs> what a thought. And if you seek unity and love and fellowship, just like it was written in Philippians, if you forgive him, that will bring me joy. Have you ever had joy whenever you saw unity being maintained, when it looked like things were going to blow apart and somebody confesses their sin or they affronted them and they're able to get back in unity. Quite the joy there, isn't there? Forgiveness. What a, a great example, an object lesson there. Well, that's benefits to the saints. Benefits actually there to Paul. Yes, brother, let me benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. As you've done it with the, all the other ones, as he said in uh, 4 through 7, he says, nah, I, want to, I want to experience this. Paul is really human in this. Do you think, Audrey, that Paul could have been a lawyer? Boy, he just has hammers one point after another, doesn't he? He covers it all. He covers it all. Of course, a little help of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> no contest. Do you guys remember James White? We went to that. We were talking about it the other day when we went up to Sedalia, and uh, there was a debate, and. Uh, Oh, that had been great. You were just a little tot then. Well, 10 years ago. It was 2006, wasn't it? That must have been right before we came. 
Yeah, because you guys have been right around 10 years, haven't you? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you were maybe 12. Were you 12 then? 11. 11. Yeah, 11. And, and, and you were 9. Yeah. So, you know, and James White, I don't know. I would never want to debate him. I mean, and he knows all the rules, but he has his points down one after another. And I, I, I always want to be on his side, you know. And, and he blew that guy away that, that night, even though I was uh, definitely already on his side. Yeah, but in all fairness, the way that he did the debate and the way that he stuck with the rules and did everything, that was, uh, was just perfect. Uh, he was no Paul. But I can tell you, he has studied Paul very well. Those guys will probably talk with each other in heaven, too. We'll be standing around. No. <laughs> Having confidence. Now, here's where the obedience comes in. This is where you were talking about this in 21. Having confidence in your obedience. Lays down another one. I write to you, since I know that you will do even more than what I say. <laughs> I know that you're, you're not only going to do what I'm asking, but you're going to go over and beyond it. This example, what an example it is. Paul is saying, I know you'll obey the Lord in this. You know what's right. And he's confident. Paul is confident in this. He definitely emphasizes it. He knows he's a godly man. We saw verses 4 through 7. You know, Christ has commands, but they're follow or go along with this pattern. Follow this pattern. You know, he, he says we are his servants. I think that he speaks to us with a, a voice that's, that's soft, it's gentle, it's, it's confiding. Um, of course, God tells us his, uh, his wishes. I put that in quotes there. and He commits himself to us. And, he, you know, and his whole cause for the disciples to love him. You think of Jesus whenever he had the, the disciples there, and you know how he was with them. Sometimes he'd have to be rather abrupt with them. You know? But there was obedience that he kept talking about, but it was an obedience that was, you know, you do this or else. It's an obedience that is coming from... Uh, it's not strict limits of command, is it? It's always given by love. So, and I think that's what you see. I, Paul, it's just like he knows Christ. And he's, he's doing and saying the things that Christ does. That's what's called a Christian. They do the things that Christ does. They say the same thing he does. You ever notice your, yourself quoting scripture a lot? You know, you're not even trying to, but it, oh, okay. And then somebody says, "Yeah, that's in Philemon verse 20." You know, <laughs> well, that's why we should be. Spurgeon called it biblene. It's so much in your blood that you just can't help but spouting out the things of the Lord. There's nothing better, is there? What what else is better? Do you think that Philemon already knows the principles of forgiveness? Forgiveness is not here in the letter, but it, it is, isn't it? But 
you know, I think we have to assume that Philemon actually knew it. I think he was acquainted with the principles uh, that are intrinsic with Christianity. I think that he would have known probably something about something close to it or probably knew about 70 times 7. You guys know what I'm alluding to there, right? As Peter said, well, how many times are we to forgive? Seven times? Seventy times seven. Oh, 490. Let's see. No, it, and it just keeps on going and going. You're kidding. Jesus really expects a lot, doesn't he? Uh, how about 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 7? So that, on the contrary, you should rather forgive and comfort him this was an offender that was in the church. I mean, a high offense. And of course, there was to be a discipline done, but when it was all over, this is what discipline is supposed to lead to, to, to restore them in the church. He says, that on the contrary, you should rather forgive and comfort him. Otherwise, such a one might be overwhelmed by excessive sorrow. You know, if, if he's back, coming back into the church then, you know, he says you, you, you have to forgive him and comfort him. So there, there's another principle there. How about Ephesians 4.32? This is where you get the action after you've had three chapters of doctrine. 4.32 says, Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other. And here we go. Here we go, Nondor. Just as God in Christ also has forgiven you, right? And there's his word. That's, that's God speaking here. He's really telling us, you are to forgive like I forgive. What an example, right? So when, you know, you, you think about who Christ is and what he did, and then we know that, yeah, we have the power to do that. I just can't do that. I, I just don't have the strength in to do that. Yeah, we do, don't we? Colossians 3, 13. I can't think of a, a better motivation than Christ himself. Bearing with one another and forgiving each other, whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also, so also should you. Just as the Lord forgave you. How many times do we see that? And we see it right here in Philemon again. The best example there can possibly be. Um, he names the word obedience here, having confidence in your obedience. But it's, it's just like, you know, a, a, a child, we, we want children to obey, but it's because it's for their best, isn't it? Because it, it's a good thing. And it, it's a privilege. So, you know, he's trusting Philemon, who is a Christian, that he has obedience. You can't be a Christian without obedience even though there is disobedience too, but I think he knows his love. I think he knows that he um, definitely has put that on display. And you remember in the, the passage in Luke 6, 38, talks about giving. We're to have delight in giving. It's not a thing that we do out of, oh, okay, I'll do it if I have to. It says giving it pressed down and running over. That's what, he, as he's saying here, I since I will do even more, I, I know that you'll even do more than what I say. He says, it's one thing you forgive him, but I know you'll go beyond that. 
you'll be very generous. And uh, you know, if you go a mile, what are, what does Christ say? Go to you know, with someone. Wow, <laughs> heavy stuff, isn't it? Verse twenty-two. And he gets into prayer. <clears throat> At the same time, also prepare me a lodging, for I hope that through your prayers. I will be given to you. Temporal blessings are kind of given here for Paul. He, he's imprisoned, but he does want to be able to show up at his house, and we know that that's quite the motivation. By the way, I'm coming. <laughs> That's almost like one of the best ones, isn't it? I will be there. I think he told the Corinthians the same thing before, too, hadn't he? I'm going to be coming there, and I will expect you to have it together. So, you know, pray for my arrival. How could he be praying to God if, if he doesn't want to forgive? He's asking Philemon, you pray through your prayers that I'll, I'll be given to you, that I'll be released. It's out of your prayers that that can uh, play a big part. And the people in Colossae, they could help by uh, prayer for his liberation. Now you think of prayer of faith, and you can think of power prayer that deals with bringing in money and sending away diseases. But, you know, there can be no faith without a definite divine word in the sense of based upon his promises. That's what we lay hold of. So faith and God's promises are correlative, but it's faith in what he, we know he is going to do or know that this may be his, we want his will. Sovereignty of God and his purpose is involved right here, but he knows that the sovereignty of God works its purposes through prayer. And there we go again saying two things that seem so opposite. If God is sovereign, why should I pray? If God is sovereign, why should I evangelize? Because he uses that's means. he uses means. That's what he has decided to do. I was also going to say that um, this shows us a really good example of sanctification um, to know how Paul found pleasure in seeing Christians forgiving one another. Mm -hmm. I mean, I know I want to get to the point where seeing other people act in godly ways brings me pleasure. Experiencing this. Yeah. <laughs> Experiencing what we know what the Bible says, and then when you see it, mm -hmm. what joy it brings. Right. It's incredible. And I, I, I have experienced that a lot. You know, just by observing God's people and people in the Bible study here, people in church, other fellow believers, and the way that God has worked through them in certain situations. Yeah. So God has a purpose through prayer, but here's the sense he's saying. I think that's pretty convicting, though. You know, uh, here Philemon is going to be praying for him to be released. I'm sure he wants to see Paul. <laughs> At the same time, oh, he's going to be here. How can I not forgive and it's like almost his last point that he drives home here, isn't it, Janice? As you were saying. <laughs> this is, you know, Paul's 
making sure that every everything uh, is laid out. Not my will, but thy will. He says here, at the same time, also prepare me a lodging. Be ready. I, I, I hope to come. Here's what he says. I hope that through your prayers I'll be given to you. He knows the sovereign God. He knows that there's a chance that he might not be released. But it's through the rest of the church's prayers that God can work that through. I think that's incredible. Paul didn't know. He said, I hope. I think that's a confident hope, but I don't think he really knew for sure what God's plan was there, but I think he's thinking in the right way. I hope that through your prayers I, I shall see be set free and that I can join you. Make that lodging there. I, I think God will uh, get us there. You know, there's a prospect of meeting here. I, I think Philemon <laughs> really loves Paul. And he's got to be thinking this through. How many times when you know that somebody's going to be coming to your house, you get all ready and you, you look forward to, to seeing them and it's a prospect of meeting somebody. Uh, and that really should, um, I think, rev up the, uh, the diligence to mark a true Christians, like, for instance, that love his appearing, that love Christ appearing, right? We, we can't wait to see him. Well, I think Philemon's in that situation, too. Uh, we don't know whether for sure Paul made it there or not. Um, we, there's nothing here in Scripture that says that, but we can say this. He definitely has this glow of hope, and we do know that between his first imprisonment, which is where he's at now as he's writing this, and his second imprisonment, there was quite a bit of length of time. There was a good interval where he went and visited Macedonia, Asia Minor. Uh, very possible that he went to Colossae. And that was his driving point. If He's going to go there, if at all possible, unless God puts a roadblock. And I've got a feeling that God probably didn't do a roadblock. I don't know. Can't say. But we can say there definitely was an expectation, and it could very well have happened. Prepare that place for me. Now, to get ready to close, we have three verses here. And this is dealing with the ministry that Paul had. He didn't do it by himself. He was not a lone ranger. He had a lot of godly men around him. Here are some godly men that Paul knows that Philemon knows. Philemon, I think, knows. Why else would Paul mention these guys? Some of them have, have probably been there at his place or, or met uh, maybe in Ephesus, which is not that far from there. Um, spiritual friends have responsibilities. And I think this is, I think it could be implying here that there's accountability. He's going to give us one more, one more point here. By the way, I'm coming, and I want to know. I want you to know, I'm getting some greetings from some guys that you know of. <laughs> Ooh, when you know that you're accountable to other people, words, it really. I'm probably going to hear if this doesn't go too well. <laughs> yeah. Right. And. You know, Paul does this so often in his letters. He closes with certain ones that are around him, and so he, he mentions them here. If you go to Colossians, which, which, remember, is the parallel epistle along with Philemon here, and it's all in that area, and that's the church at Colossae. That's where Philemon's from. 
and he says, and we get a little more depth on these guys. Here he says, Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus greets you. They're all greeting him. Epaphras, I have to think, Philemon knows him, knows him pretty well. He's named first. He was probably converted under Paul. He's most likely the founder of the Colossian church. That rings a bell, doesn't it? Do you think Philemon knows him very well? Obviously. And in the Lycus Valley, in that Colossae area, you also get Laodicea and Hierapolis. There were churches there. And no doubt that Epaphras had a lot to do with those, probably founded those three churches, Colossae and the other ones. Certainly, he is well known to Philemon. So he mentions him first, and he was associated with him. Uh, Philemon had the church meetings at his house. So a bond slave of Jesus Christ, a fellow prisoner here he is mentioned as, a fellow prisoner. We don't know if he was really in prison like Paul was or that he was helping Paul so much that he was a prisoner in that sense. It could be one or the other. Commentary people usually will say it could mean that um, he could have been a prisoner too, like, like Paul was in that sense. Um, he's a man of prayer. He labored earnestly. He constantly prayed for the perfection of the saints, that they would be fully assured of their salvation, that they're in the midst of God's will. He, he just always did that. He had a deep pastoral concern for the Colossian church, the Laodicean church, for the Hierapolis. And so this is a wonderful godly man. Um, we'll look at the Colossians 4. I guess we'll go ahead and just start with 10. Uh, some of the other guys are mentioned uh, later on there. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, there's another one called that, sends you his greetings and also Barnabas' Barnabas's cousin Mark, about whom you receive instruction. If he comes to you, welcome him. Also Jesus, who is called Justice. These are the only fellow workers for the kingdom of God who are from the circumcision. And they have proved to be an encouragement to me. Now, here are some guys that we're familiar with as far as Philemon goes. Epaphras, one who is of your number, a bond slave of Jesus Christ. Here in Colossians, he is called what? A bond slave. Or the word is doulos, or better yet, it's slave, a slave of Christ. Epaphras was a slave of Christ. He sends you his greetings, always, look at this, always laboring earnestly, those are work words, power work words, for you in his prayers. How did he work the most in his prayers? It's hard work to keep up prayer life. It's hard. And he labored earnestly at that. That you may stand perfect and fully assured in all the will of God. For I testify for you that he has a deep concern for you and for those who are in Laodicea and Hierapolis. These are all the same things that I was mentioning just a while ago. So that there he is. That says a lot about him, doesn't it? Let's learn a little bit more we're going to meet this guy. I can't wait to meet this guy. Chapter 1 of Colossians, verse 7 and 8. You could say, I don't know too much about this 
Epaphras. Quite a godly man. He was taught by Paul. Just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow slave, who is a faithful servant of Christ on our behalf, and he also informed us of your love in the Spirit. So there's Epaphras. And, of course, that's the letter to the Colossians there, which is where Philemon's from. Fellow prisoner, fellow bond slave, he's identified with Paul in so many ways. He was a willing prisoner for Paul's sake, for Christ's sake. So, um, by the way, in Colossians, he says that Aristarchus, he starts off with that. Aristarchus is found in our passage. I'll go ahead and hit that. I'm going to skip over Mark for a second. Aristarchus is a fellow prisoner. He's not called a fellow prisoner in Philemon, but a fellow worker. My Paphras, my fellow prisoner in Jesus Christ, creature you as do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, Luke, my fellow workers, right? But he was... Um, he was like a fellow prisoner too. Let's go to um, Acts 20, verse 14. We're getting right near the end. 19.29 The city was filled with the confusion. This is at Ephesus, okay? Here's the riot. And they rushed with one accord into the theater, dragging along Gaius and Aristarchus, Paul's traveling companions from Macedonia. So there is Aristarchus who... Um, experienced a little bit of pressure as they were crying out Artemis of the Ephesians and they drag him uh, along there. And this is whenever Paul has to get out of town. But that's, that's what's happening there. Um, he was captured by the Ephesian rioters. He was with Paul in the voyage in Acts 27. You remember the, the, the voyage that even had the shipwreck and and such where he's on his way to imprisonment that was the time of imprisonment so he definitely went there and we know he's beloved by Philemon this is Aristarchus Demas he's mentioned in Colossians 4.14 we see that name we see it it's simply his name Demas we, we don't know too much about him other than that we do know the one thing that we really know is really sad in 2 Timothy 4.10 it says Demas has forsaken me having loved this present world. And that is sad because John said, if any man loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. So Demas most likely turned out to be 
exposing himself as a hypocrite. Or it could be less, but it tends to seem to go that way. Then there's Luke that is mentioned. He's called the beloved physician. Here a fellow worker, but often that, uh, that's how he's known. He's a Gentile Christian doctor, authored the third gospel, wrote the book of Acts to continue it on. And here you have Mark in this one verse, and you have Luke. Between the two of them, they wrote three books of the New Testament. And you have Paul with all of his writings. Boy, these are heavy hitters. I think of the Augustans and the Luthers and the Calvins and Zwingli's and John Owen and John Bunyan, the Spurgeons and all those heavy hitters. These guys actually wrote scripture. Wow. And all the guys that I listed at later studied the scripture that they wrote. <laughs> of course, they were inspired by God's spirit. So that's not fair, is it? <laughs> Luke was often Paul's traveling companion for lack of time. Uh, we know he wrote the book of Acts, and you read through the book of Acts, chapter 16, several verses there. The writer will say, we, we, we. That's, that's Luke. He was a part of it. So when you see that, he, he was right there. He was, was within what, what was going on. Um, he was with Paul on the second journey at Troas and Philippi. He was on that journey. According to Acts 20, verse 6, he went with him to Jerusalem. He was on the voyage that went from Jerusalem and wound up in Rome at the imprisonment there. He alone was with Paul as the rest of them left him. He alone was left with Paul in his final imprisonment, 2 Timothy 4.11. Luke is all over the pages of the New Testament. And we got to cover Mark. And I think Alan said this very well last week. Mark is mentioned here, as do Mark. We're talking about forgiveness. Paul had to forgive Mark. Maybe there was some discipline that really needed to be carried out. With you know, Mark definitely made a mistake, what he did. He was young. But we know by the end of uh, Timothy, for instance, 2 Timothy 4.11, the relationship had been mended. Paul and Mark. And we see him mentioning him here. We see him mention his name in Colossians, right at the end of it there. You look in Acts 15, 38 through 40, we see a different story there. And that was earlier years, even for Paul. So there, maybe there was a point there that he learned forgiveness. He knew about it, and maybe he did practice it, but that was pretty demanding there. So there are some of the ones that he says, uh, by the way, I'm coming. And uh, just to let you know, the other guys tell you their greetings. <laughs> Verse 25, here's how we do it. Here's how we forget. There's a qualification. You cannot do it. It's impossible. He's just demanded the impossible for a human to really do. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. What better way to end it? That's how we do anything. You look in verse 3. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. You know what? This is another Christ-centered letter. 
the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Here's how we're going to close. You ready? We're going to go on a really fast tour. Turn to chapter 1, continue, and we'll just stay in chapter 1. There's only one chapter. Verse 1. Look at this. Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus. This is why I say this is Christ-centered. Do you look at any of Paul's letters? How many times does he mention Christ Jesus? This is what it's all about. This is the only reason for forgiveness. Jesus Christ. Verse 3. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 5. <clears throat> because I hear of your love and the faith which you have toward the Lord Jesus. Toward all the saints. Verse 6. And I pray the fellowship of your faith may become effective through the knowledge of every good thing which is in you for Christ's sake. Verse 8. Therefore, though I have enough confidence in Christ to order you to do what is proper, Verse 9, Yet for love's sake, I rather appeal to you, since I am such a person as Paul, the aged, and now also a prisoner of Christ Jesus. Verse 16, No longer as a slave, but more than a slave, a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more of you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. Verse 20, Yes, brother, let me benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. And verse 25, The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. If you wrote a letter, would you mention somebody's name that often? Once or twice, maybe three times? That's, you know, people are going to say, okay, it's enough. Good. Paul couldn't say it enough. And sometimes it's like two, three verses in a row where you'll see Paul do that. And he never got his focus off of Christ. Right, because everything he said had to be founded on the authority of Christ or it's just wood, hay, and stubble. You know, it has to be precious, refined by the refiner. The foundation, yeah. isn't it? Absolutely. And so it is with us, isn't it? foundation. Well, guys, that's the end of Philemon. I was going to add that um, one of the extant documents that we have from church history um, from the first century um, mentions one of the bishops. His name is Bishop Onesimus. And people believe that this is the same Onesimus. Is that right? Yeah. It's a good possibility. That's right in, in, uh, in some right church in history first, articles. First century. Yeah. There is a bishop called Bishop Onesimus. Wouldn't it be great? That's yeah. him. Where, where was he from? This area here? Wouldn't he? I know it's from the area. But I and the rest of the story is, <laughs> right? There we go. Wouldn't that be something? Yeah. We'll know for certain, but that's, you know, coming from a church history, mm -hmm. which has been sought out, it's, I need to think. Sometimes you run into certain names, and you know they could be other people. And like I was saying, Demas. Well, that could be another Demas. But most often, when they're mentioned in here a couple, three times, you compare scripture to scripture, and that's probably the same guy. Right. Or he would say of a particular city you know, to distinguish. But anyway, thank you guys. Nice little letter that we went through. I got blessed uh, with you as we went through a little postcard. Definitely has a meaning.
Hmm. See, most of my opportunities for forgiveness is not with other church Christians. It's with the world and those that don't believe. Uh, and I think maybe his response and letter back to him, if there would even have been a letter, hmm. would have been a lot different than what we have here. Yeah. Because sent him back to Herod, he'd have beheaded him. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Been a different, different story there. It'd have been a totally different story. Yeah. Sure, because a believer's response is totally different. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. Oh, absolutely. Total difference. Total difference. Yeah. Would he even have him go back? Because he wouldn't be done with a believer. And yeah, ultimately. You know, they can forgive on a worldly way, but not in the the eternal kind of forgiveness that's really for real. I think the, usually the worldly forgiveness, I'll forgive, I really will, but I'm not going to forget. Yeah. Or it's fine. Yeah, right, right. Just blow it off, but at the same time, it's really not, is it? Yeah. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> well, they, they didn't forgive, though. That's, yeah. In other words, that's just... It's pretentious and... Let's pray. Father, thank you for this evening and thank you for this time that we spend in this uh, book. And just like always, it's, it's not just uh, reading and studying for our own mind's sake, but it's uh, really to put it into our lives. And it's only by your spirit your grace that that can happen so Lord uh, help us uh, learn better who the person of Christ is as we take these examples of whether it be Paul anybody else for that matter that's ultimately pointing to Christ thank you thank you for being able to uh, get together with your people all for your glory in Jesus name Amen Thank you.